We are learning the Sicha on Parshas Vayikra in Chelek Chav Aleph. It's the first Sicha in Chelek Chav Aleph. And it's a Sicha where the Rebbe teaches us about the special qualities of young children, their connection to Chumash Vayikra and their learning of Karbanos, and the merit we all have because of them, especially since, as we will learn, the world stands on the merit of the Karbanos that these children learn when they begin to study Chumash. So it's quite interesting to appreciate how we get here. And the Sicha begins where the Rebbe quotes a Medrash in Medrash Rabbah, that Rab Asi, one of the sages quoted there, asks the question, why when young children begin to learn Chumash, do we teach them at first the early parts of Chumash Vayikra? That is the custom, even though we don't study Chumash Vayikra with them the way we study, we do read with them the earlier part of the Chumash according to the custom. So the Medrash asks, why is this the custom? Why don't we start teaching Chumash to young children from Brashas, from the beginning of the Torah? And the answer is, Shahatinokos Tehorin, children are pure, Vaha Karbanos Tehorin, and the Karbanos that we learn about are pure, therefore, Yavou Tehorin, let the ones who are pure come, Vyasku Bitahorin, and let them be involved, let them be engaged with things of Tara. So the question is, what is meant by the term that karbanos are tahor? So some of the commentaries explain that this refers to the fact that when a karban, a sacrifice is offered up in the Beis HaMikdash, it must be brought when everything is pure. The people who bring it are pure. There's no impurity anywhere. Everything that relates to the karban requires purity. Without purity, without tara, it can't be brought. And others say, when we say karbanos are pure, it comes to teach that through the karbanos we become tohar, we are purified of our sins. Now both of these, the Rebbe says, are not so simple and not so clear because the language the Medrash uses to describe the karbanos is that the karbanos are tohar, the karbanos themselves are tohar, which indicates that we are talking about the actual sacrifices being offered up. And we're not really discussing over here at first glance that the purity relates to those who bring them or to the conditions under which they are brought. On the other hand, if we take this literally, that tar refers to the karbanos themselves, that they themselves must be pure. This also is not so simple if we're learning according to the pshat of the psukim. Because we do not find the delineation of tara talking about the carbon itself. We learn about the carbon when we learn the laws of how the animal must be to be fit for a carbon, that it must be tamim, it must be whole, it may not have any kind of blemish, it must be mufharim, these animals must be the choicest, the best, but we don't find in the laws of the animals themselves that they are tahar. So what exactly is the Medrash saying here? We could perhaps say that when we say tahar in the Medrash, it might refer to the karbanos that were offered up before the Torah was even given, as we know that Adam offered karbanos, Noah offered karbanos, etc. Before Matan Torah, Chazal tell us that all creatures that are to be brought for karbanos are kosher, a behema meaning an animal, chaya, oaf, birds, zecharim, nekevos, male ones, female ones, tmimin, 
they have to be whole and complete. Also, Balei Mumin, they, they also may even have some blemish, but they are Tahar and not Tomei. In other words, that before Matan Torah, we do have some kind of discussion and definition that Karbonos before the Torah was given have to be Tahar. What is the connection of the Karbonos that were brought before the Torah was given in the earliest times in history with what we are learning about the children who are coming to learn Chumash, the little children? They have no obligation to bring Karbonos. Little children have low obligation to perform any mitzvahs per se. So in a way, this would resemble the karbonos that were brought before the Torah was given because all those karbonos were brought of the volition of the people who offered them up. Since we did not yet have any kind of mitzvah in the world, that one must bring a karbon. But this is a bit of a difficult explanation because the Medrash here explains why are we starting to teach children Torah's Kohanim? This is the Lashon of the Medrash, Maschilin. We initiate the study of a child in Torah with Torah's Kohanim, which is another name for Chomish Vayikra, because Chomish Vayikra deals with laws of Kohanim and laws of Karbanos. And in the Chomish, of course, the laws of Karbanos are laws that were given to us after the Torah was received. So how can we compare this? These children who are obligated, not whom we are obligated to initiate into the study of Chumash, the study of formal Torah from Ispsukim, why would we take a lesson from Karbanos that existed before the Torah was given if we are teaching the child the laws in the Chumash after the Torah was given? So to answer this question, we'll bring another Medrash, this time from Medrash Tanchuma, the first Medrash was from Medrash Rabbah. So the same Medrash is quoted in Medrash Tanchuma, and then the Medrash continues and says like this, therefore, after we start teaching them Torah in Chumash Vayikra, animala alehem, I consider for them as if they are standing, these children are standing, and they are offering to me their karbanos, and it's letting you know that even though the Beis HaMikdosh has been destroyed, and therefore we can bring Karbanos. However, this is rectified by the fact that the little children, the Tinokos, Shalbeis Rabban, the little children, read the story of Karbanos in the Chumash, and if not for them, the world would not exist at all. That's what Medrash Tanchuma says. So here it makes us wonder. The Medrash Tanchuma that says this immediately continues and says, therefore Hashem said to the Jewish people, Banai, my children, if you involve yourselves in the portions of the Karbanos, if you study them, I will consider it for you as if you have actually brought the Karban. In other words, every single Yid who studies the laws of Karbanos, not only little children, it's considered as if that person literally, practically, brought up a carbon. So how does this fit with the fact that the Medrash says earlier that if not for the little children in particular who study the laws of carbonos, the world would not stand. We're just saying now that every Jew who brings a carbon, it's a similar thing. So obviously we have to say that when it says it's as if they're bringing a carbon, there is an advantage. When you study about Karbanos, even though you can't bring it, there is no Beis HaMiklash, it's as if you're actually bringing it. So obviously there is an advantage, a benefit, 
in the study of little children when they learn carbonos, there's a greater benefit than when a, an adult person, a person who's obligated in mitzvot, learns about carbonos. Because when the little children bring carbonos, this is much more complete and much more perfect because this ensures that the world will continue to exist. This is written particularly by the little children. So how do we understand this? So let's go back to try to appreciate a little bit better. What is this idea that before the Torah was given, carbonos were able to be brought, but only to Horim? And how do we even know that there was such a thing that it had to be from Tahorim? So we learn this from the story of Noah, because we know that Noah brought up Karbanos, recall from those animals that were Tahar. And the Gemara asks the question, how do we even have Tomei and Tahar at that time? We did not have any laws of Tom and Tara whatsoever. We did not yet have the Torah. And the Gemara explains, that Torah, Tahar there, pure ones there, before the Torah was given in the times of Noah, refers to those that will be considered Tahar in the future. That's how it's written in the Gemara, and that's how Rashi explains it when he explains the Psukim and the Chumash, which means that if we look into the study of the Karbanos of Noah before Matan Torah, we see a paradox. On the one hand, we see that when Noah brought Karbonos, it was certainly of his own volition. He had no command. He was not fulfilling anything that Hashem commanded him. There was no mitzvah to bring Karbonos. And especially, we don't, we never learn about Noah, like we learn about the Ovos, that they were able to fulfill the Torah. They fulfilled, they observed the laws of Torah even before it was given. But we don't find that Noah was in that category of people. And we find in all times before Matan Torah that people, Adam himself, brought karbonos because they had a feeling. They wanted to relate to Hashem, to thank Hashem, or whatever it was. And they had their own reasons for bringing karbonos. But Noah brought karbonos specifically by him, it says, that he brought the karbonos, even though Hashem did not tell him to do it like that, from those animals that would become tar, that would be considered tar in the future, after the Torah was given. So why do we see that the fact that Noah really didn't have any obligation to distinguish between animals that are tar and animals that are tamay, that's regarding only the eating of those animals. But the idea that there would be such a thing as Tahar and Tomei in the future, that he already knew. So here we see that when we talk about Noah, we do find some kind of initiation into laws, parameters of Torah. Even though he lived before the Torah was given, and he also lived before the Avos, the Avos, Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, we learn in the Torah very clearly that they did observe the Torah before it was give, before it was even given. But because Noah had some sort of feeling to do this, based on what would be in the future, he brought karbonos from those that in the future would be Tahar. Now, what do we see here? We see that the connection of Noah to Definitions in Torah, parameters in Torah, limitations in Torah. 
we find by him only regarding Karbonos. We don't find it in other areas of his life. So here we have to say, because Karbonos that he brought in that way must have had some kind of connection to what would come when the Torah would be given. So how do we understand this? How do we explain this? So we'll talk for a moment about a carbon. Our familiarity with the carbon from learning Torah is, of course, after the Torah is given. So why do we learn there that carbonos are from the 613 mitzvos of the Torah? We have mitzvos to do many things, and we also have mitzvos to bring carbonos. So why do we see there? even though they are mitzvos and we count them amongst the 613 mitzvos, nonetheless, they are essentially, both in their essence, in their very being, and in the practical act of the service that is done with them, they really stand higher than Torah and mitzvos. Why? Because the carbon that a yid offers is coming most often to atone for a lack or to complete something that was missing in the observance of Torah and mitzvot. In other words, when a yid brings a karban tashem, what is he really expressing? Notice the word for a sacrifice. There are different words we can use for a sacrifice. There's a zevach and there's a tevach and different words for an animal that gets slaughtered. But the word karban is from the word karov. It's the same word. Karov means near, close. When a yid brings a karban, it's an expression of the fact that the Yid wants to become closer to Hashem. He wants the connection between himself and Hashem to be close. In other words, he's a Yid, and essentially in his very essence, he has this connection. And this connection with every single Yid has with Hashem does not depend essentially on the observance of Torah and mitzvot. And if a Jew doesn't keep Torah and mitzvot, his connection with Hashem is not diminished and when he does do Torah and with this connection with Hashem is not made. It's always there. And this connection is way above and beyond learning Torah or doing mitzvot. As it says in Chumash Dvarim, Banim atem lahashem alokeichem. Moshe addresses the Yidin. That he, they are considered the children of Hashem. And the children of Hashem, when you're someone's child, you're always someone's child. And you never lose the status of being their child, even if you sin. So this is the relationship of Yid and Hashem. And now we can understand a little bit better how Karbanos could come and atone for a sin. So when Yid transgresses, when Yid does a sin, when Yid does an Avera, he is going against the will of Hashem. And he's doing damage. But... What's the damage he's doing? He's doing damage in the connection, in the unity that results between him and Hashem when he does Torah and mitzvot. So he can rectify this through a carbon. How? Because when he brings the carbon, which of course comes after preparation and introspection and all those things that comes together with shuva, he's able to rectify this through a carbon. How? Because he arouses and he reveals through this carbon the essential connection that he has with Hashem, where nothing in the world can stand between the two, and this atones and wipes away any damage, any flaw that may happen, any negative thing that may happen through the sin. And according to this, now we will be able to understand better something about the general 
discussion of carbonos altogether. Because really, when we think about carbonos and when we think about what they represent and why we do them and how we do them, we have a question. And the question is that we know that there are the pillars the world stands on. One is learning Torah, one is doing good deeds and goodness, kind things and wonderful things, doing mitzvahs, and one is avoda, service. And service in the times of the Beis HaMikdash was the offering of karbonos. This is the avoda, the service in the Beis HaMikdash. Why did Hashem want that the service should be done through slaughtering an animal and doing to the animal all the things that we learn in the parsha of this week, in the Psokim of Parsha Svayikra. And after we do all those things, we offer up the animal on the altar, on the Mizbeach. Wouldn't it be more suitable to do a spiritual kind of service, the service of the heart, like davening, thinking about Hashem, using our heart and our mind to appreciate what's going on. And this service Hashem certainly would bring about the connection, would reveal the connection of a yid with Hashem in a much more revealed manner than slaughtering an animal. Especially since davening that didn't have is an exclusively Jewish thing that we're taught to do. We have the mitzvah and the Torah. But when it comes to karbonos, it was not something that was chosen specifically for yidin. We find that non-Jews also have opportunities to come and bring karbonos. And they're welcome to come to the Beis Hamikdash and have their karbonos offered up. So it, this is for everyone. So to show the connection of the Yitz specifically with Hashem, wouldn't it make more sense if it was through davening and things of that nature? But now we could understand that it tells us why. Because the essential connection of the Yitz with Hashem is higher than any connection that could result through service, through learning Torah and doing mitzvot, and the connection that didn't have with Hashem that makes them this special is because this is what Hashem chose. Hashem decided that he loves Yaakov. Yaakov is special for him. Hashem chose him over all others. So for this very reason, it becomes manifest and expressed in the service of Karbonos because outwardly, we don't see when we offer up an animal that this has to do with the spirituality of the Yid. Others can do it as well. But it's only the carbon of the Yid that's brought by a Yid that is able to arouse this essential bond that Hashem chose that would connect the Yid and him. And that's also like we learned that Hashem chose the guf of the Yid, which is the same as the guf, resembles physically the guf, the body of any other person. But Hashem chose the guf of the Yid and the neshama of the Yid. So now, how does this work? Why is this so? What really happened with Noah, and why is it that in his time the karbonos were in some kind of way a semblance of something that would be in the future, that there would be animals that would be tahar? And what does this have to do with starting off the child in the study of Torah with psukim and vayikra that he's not even capable of understanding? And then take him to Chumash Breshis. So now we will understand why we said before that the karbonos that Noah offered before the Torah was given had some kind of connection to the karbonos that would be offered up after the Torah was given. And when it says that they were tahorin, it was really because of something that would become a mandate in the future. 
Why did Noah bring carbonos? So we look into the Chumash and what do we find? That there was a Mabel, there was a flood, the whole world was destroyed, and Noah was saved with his family, as the Pesuk says, that Hashem remembered Noah and saved him, and Noah would continue, even though the rest of the world was destroyed. So we know, if we think about it, in the davening of the Musaf of Rosh Hashanah, we have parts of the Musaf where we quote different psukim from the Tanakh, Torah, Nevi'im, and Ksuvim, that we use to express how we coronate Hashem as our king. We speak about the blowing of the shofar and what it's supposed to accomplish. And we have one portion there that's called Zichronos. We recite Psukim from Torah, in which we speak about the fact that Hashem remembers and he should remember all those things that will be a merit for each one of us as he didn't have a good year. So one of the psukim in the part of Zichronos, that we say the Musaf of Rosh Hashanah, it says, Vayiskar Elohim as Noah. Hashem remembered Noah. And this is part of the things we mention to remind Hashem of good things on behalf of all of us. What does the remembering of Noah have to do with the schus for Yidin? And the answer is because when we ask Hashem to remember Noah, then Hashem remembered Noah, and Hashem should remember this now as it should be a merit for us that he remembered Noah. Because when Hashem remembered Noah, it was also because of the essential, great quality, advantage of the neshama of the Yid. That's why we say in that davening, the gam es Noah, and also Noah be'ahavazacharta. It doesn't just say, Hashem, you remembered Noah and you saved him, but it says you remembered him out of love. What kind of love are we talking about here? It refers to the inner love, the essential love that Hashem had for a Yid. In other words, what does this mean? That even though Noah was before the Torah was given, and it was not that Noah lived even like the Avos, who also lived before the Torah was given. The Avos, at least, we relate to them as those who started our nation. They're called Avos. They are the parents who passed on to each one of us forever all the things that make one a parent. Whatever they were, whatever they had, they gave over to us Yidin in all future generations. Nonetheless, we find that Noah had a connection to the Neshamas of Yidin, and therefore, Hashem remembered him and saved him. From him would come the future Yid, because of the advantage of the neshama of the Yid. And now we can also understand, as a result of this, why the Karbonos of Noah brought about, when it says that Hashem remembered him, because it, and it, he brought about, it made him be very thankful to acknowledge his greatness, that he was saved from the Mabul, and he brought a carbon. And what kind of carbon did he bring? It was a carbon from animals that in the future would be the ones that Yidin would bring after they received the Torah. So it would be Tahar then in the future, but already Noah brought it at that time. And this is why the Medrash tells us, this is getting closer to the conclusion of the whole discussion. We started with the fact that little children, as the Medrash tells us, that little children begin their study of 
the formal study of Chumash, the formal reading of Psukim from Torah's Kohanim, from Chumash Vayikra, because the Karbonos are Tahar. And because they are Tahar, this is the most appropriate thing for them to learn. And which kind of Tahar are we talking about? We're talking about the Tara already in the carbon that Noah brought because in the future there would be Tahar animals that Yitin would be given so that they could be able to do the mitzvahs that they have to do. So what do we see? That the innermost meaning of Karbanos is to reveal the essential love between Yitin and Hashem, which is higher from a love that comes about through the study of Torah. This is expressed more in the karbonos of Noah that were brought before the Torah was given, before there was even a command to bring a karbon. This is even greater than after Matan Torah, because when we bring a karbon after Matan Torah, why do we bring it? Because it's a mitzvah. The Torah says that we have to offer up karbonos, and it gives, goes into the details of which karbonos are brought for which occasions or which situations. So we can't see in a revealed way, we can't see in any kind of revealed way uh, what we see in the carbon of Noah, where it was not obligatory to do it like that. Why? So let's see. So according to all of this, we'll also understand, we'll try to answer this question. After Matan Torah, Karbonos Aramitz, Van don't have in that open way something that's limitless because we do it, because we have to. But there, we already had the sensitivity of something higher that came from Noah himself. So according to this, we'll also be able to understand the medrash with which we started the sicha. We start teaching children the medrashes from Chumash Vayikra because those who are pure should come and involve themselves with things that are pure. Now, we spoke about Yidin in this sicha, really the way they exist three different stages. The first stage is the Yidin that we are today, the Yidin that exists after the Torah was given. So we accepted the Torah and we study it and we fulfill it because Hashem told us this is how it is since the Torah was given after we left Mitzrayim in the year 2448. We have the period before that which started with the Avos, with Avram and then Yitzchak and Yaakov. They actually knew the Torah, they studied it, and they observed it, even though they did it in a voluntary manner of their own volition. And they had no obligation to do any of it. And before the Avos, 10 generations before Abraham, we have Noah, and Noah did not observe the Torah, did not, we don't know how much of it he learned or didn't learn, but he had some kind of connection to Torah that he was able to sense that the offerings that he was giving to thank Hashem should come from creatures that would in the future be considered for the purpose of a karba or for whatever other purpose, they would be considered tame or tahar. Similar to this, if we want to compare these three stages, these three periods of history in the Chumash, the time of Noah, and then the time of the Avos, and then the time of Yid, and the connections to Torah. These three stages, these three periods of time, really exist in every Yid in our personal relationship with Torah. Yid who have passed the age of Bar and Bas Mitzvah 
become officially obligated in observing all the mitzvot. Prior to that is the time that the Chachamim call, an age where a child is ready to begin observing mitzvot, a time for mitzvah training. And this is all in preparation for the future when the child will become obligated in mitzvah, so it's a completely different kind of level of observance. And then there is the stage or the age of the child before the child has reached any stage of formal education and formal training and initiation in mitzvahs, when he has absolutely no connection whatsoever to the observance and the conduct of observing mitzvahs or studying Torah. Nonetheless, a Jewish child already has a connection to Torah, even in a way where he has no obligation whatsoever, yet the child has a connection to Torah from the moment he's born, as we say, Torah Sivalanu Moshe, Morasha. The Torah is an inheritance, a birthright of every single Yid. And once it's a birthright, it could apply to a brand new baby, a baby who just came into the world, who has no connection in any way of learning formally, studying or observing mitzvot. It's just a newly born child. But there also there is already a connection to Torah. So we're going to speak about this child now and we try to conclude the Sikh and realize the whole point of everything we've done until now. That a young child before he reaches or she reaches the age of any kind of formal initiation into mitzvot, we don't see in an open way I'm sorry, we do see in an open way the essential connection of being a Yiddish child. Not that he's a Yid because he does Torah and Mitzvahs, not because he's a Yid because he undertook to do it, not because he has to do it, but by a child before the child reaches the age of Chinuch, it's already there without anything, doesn't depend on anything the child does or doesn't do, understands or doesn't understand. This is a Jewish child, he was born a Yid, and that connection is very, very clear from that posuk as one of the first things we teach a child. And now when the Medrash says, let the pure ones come and let they involve themselves in purity, and this is the basis for all the many Jewish communities who start teaching a child Chumash by reading the early psukim, it's only a matter of reading the words. We don't explain them and the child is not capable of understanding them. Because the whole purpose of the Karban is to call forth and reveal the essential love that Hashem has for Yid, which, as we said before, is higher than the love that results through study of Torah and through doing mitzvot. When we do it this way, we get it. We do what we have to. But the child doesn't have any mitzvah to do it. Yet the child is pure just by virtue of being a Jewish child. And therefore, this child reaches a higher place where there is no such thing as Toma altogether. There's the part of the Yid that no impurity in the world can ever, ever defile. And this is represented by the child who is completely untainted by anything. And it's not because he can express the connection or he understands the connection or he learned about the connection, but just because it's a Jewish child, as we've already said several times in our discussion now, so it says, these pure children should come and be involved 
in the study of these psukim, of these verses in the Chumash. As the Medrash says, that the children don't have any idea of what is even the taste of a sin. The whole idea of a sin doesn't exist in their existence because by them there is a greater shine, a greater revelation of the light, of the essential love of Hashem for the Jewish people. And according to all this, now we could really understand in a much better way what the Medrash means when it says, let the pure ones come and involve themselves in things of purity. How do children approach Chumash Vayikra? What are they qualified or capable to do? So we'll see it in a minute. Just by reading the words as little children without any knowledge of what they are saying, this ensures that the world will be able to stand and continue. Now let's try to understand this. Why is the study of the child so much greater than the study of the adult that it says specifically about the child's study of Ayikra that this not only is as if the child brought a carbon, like we say, by an adult who studies today, we can't bring carbonos, but it says that learning about them is instead of the carbon and accomplishes the same thing. But this is the difference. When older people all over Barnabas Mitzvah study and become engaged in the study of carbonos, it's not a deed, it's more an intellectual thing. We say we learn about it. So how do we learn about something? We use our minds, machshava. We think about it, we analyze it, dibor. We speak about it. So what are we using? We are using the powers that we have of speech and thought, and through them is expressed what our minds accomplish, as the Alter Rebbe explains in a mimer, that the thought of the service of the heart is davening. There we have to have the thought. We have to direct our thoughts to what we are doing, what we are appreciating. And this takes care of the karbonos. So that's the avoda of tefillah. And when we speak words of Torah, we actually say the words when we learn about the karbon. This is the Torah aspect, the machshava aspect, the learning aspect. So these two expressions of thought and speech reveal the intellect of the person, if we're talking about learning the karbonos and understanding them, or reveal the midos, the feelings, the emotions of the person that result from learning. One can get, become away with an awe of God, a love of God. One begins to appreciate what the karbon does. So here it's not so much about saying the words. Here it's about understanding and about feeling, which become expressed through the study and the pondering these words. And being that when we look openly at this, when one is learning, when one is understanding, when one is feeling, it's the human intellect and the human feeling that's coming into play. So we don't see so much the deeper connection of the Yedan Hashem. The Yid feels connected because he's learning. The Yid feels connected because he understands he's davening and it lifts him up. But we don't see that the connection between the Yid and Hashem is something that's there 
from the point that Hashem chose him, it has nothing to do with what the Yid does. But specifically, when the little children read the Pesukim, Maschilin, they begin to learn the Chumash, Chumash altogether from reading the Pesukim in Vayikra. Here we are talking about the initial learning of a child before they're even expected to do any kind of mitzvah or understand anything. And they certainly have no comprehension of what they're saying. And it doesn't arouse any emotions. And they don't have any special kavana, any special intent in what they say. They're not trying to accomplish anything. As we see, the Rebbe says, as the custom in the Jewish community is, that we don't teach them Chumash Vayikra. It's only the Haskalah, it's only the initiation, the starting of the learning in Vayikra. But after they read whatever amount of sukkim is customary in that particular place, they go back to learn Chumash Breshis, they go back to learn Torah, and they begin to understand what they're learning, to understand the words, and to understand the theme of what they're learning. So by the child, when he learns, it's not about Machshava, and it's not about Dibor. They're not thinking about it, they're not understanding it, and they're not feeling it. It's only a matter of reading, reading, reciting the words, and that alone, but with absolutely no understanding or feeling whatsoever. And it's essentially not machshava, it's not thought, it's not speech or saying words. It's only maisa, the actual deed of moving their lips and saying the words, really the lowest way of expression, because Torah is really meant to be learned and it's meant to be understood. And it's specifically this that calls forth and reveals the essential love of Hashem, who chose the Yid, and not only the Neshama of the Yid, but also the Guf of the Yid, the body of the Yid. And therefore, because it comes down to this level, it accomplishes much, much greater accomplishments to reach the goal of perfection that only a child like that could accomplish because it's not because of anything the child does, but rather because the child reveals the interconnection that's above anything we'll ever do or anything we'll ever say or think. And that is why specifically by the learning of these little children, when they start to learn Chumash, they're saying rather, reading the Psukim of Ayikra, this makes the world stand. And this makes the world continue and this is really the major quality of a Jewish child that brings merit to every single one of us. And in their schus, we will have the building of the Beis Hamikdash and the offering of Karbanos once again. Thank you.